This is the Home Bodies Yoga Podcast, and I'm Rebecca Hirsch, and this is our first episode, which I suppose it's not really our, but my first episode, because at the moment, it's just me here alone in my closet with my son's stuffed penguin, who he's named No-No, so take what you want about my parenting from that, <laughs> um, but that's not why I'm here. Uh, so in this podcast, I'll be asking people what happens when they unroll their yoga mat. You know, uh, with in social media, we get to see what people eat and what people wear and where people go. But something that's remained elusive to me is what people do when they say they're doing yoga. What does it look like? Or or even any physical practice. What What are people doing when they're working out? when they're meditating, what, what does that actually mean to, um, from all different perspectives? So on this podcast, I'll just be calling, zooming up my friends, zooming up yoga teachers I re- admire, zooming up people I admire and asking them what exactly happens when they unroll their mats. Um, so I guess I should start a little bit with my history with yoga. I have been doing yoga for, gosh, more than 15 years, and um, I taught yoga for about 10 in the Bay Area. Uh, I taught right right up until my son was born, and then um, after he was born, I took some time off, and we ended up moving to Chicago, and then there was this thing, I don't, I don't know if you heard about it, but there was like a pandemic, <laughs> so I'm sort of uh, in between teaching right now. And, um, I, I've remained practicing through, throughout it all, throughout pregnancy, throughout postpartum, um, you know, obviously to different degrees. And let's see where my practice is right now is probably maintenance. So in the beginning of my love affair with yoga, I pretty obsessively practiced. And I think it was actually really good for me. Uh, I was in my young twenties. I was kind of figuring my life out. I was going through a lot and what I really needed was some discipline and something to honestly help me drink less and party less because nothing feels worse than being hung over on your yoga mat. Uh, those of you who have ever had two margaritas and tried to do yoga the next day can definitely relate. <laughs> um, but it was really good for me to have that focus, uh, that, uh, of really wellness. So, um, you know, I was practicing a, a lot in the beginning and then I decided to become a yoga teacher. So obviously that led to some practicing and it's definitely a different kind of practice when you're teaching, um, there can be almost, you know, it, it becomes a job as well. And then, you know, postpartum, my practice has really been my refuge. Although, because I have far less time, it's definitely shorter. So my practice these days is, you know, I don't know, maybe 10 minutes, 20 minutes, 30 minutes a day. And then, you know, maybe once or twice a week, a, a longer practice, an hour practice, an hour and a half practice. Um, because I've gotten really, this is weird, but since the pandemic started, I've gotten like super into trying to learn how to run really fast. I've always jogged, um, probably since I was like 15, I've liked to go for jogs, but during the pandemic, something got inside me where I was like, no, I just want to be able to run as fast as I can. Um, 
Man, I should probably just send this podcast right along to my therapist, huh? Anyway, so uh, I've been really working on that. So my sort of more vigorous practice these days is really in running. And um, also, I, I've been into like these short little Pilates videos, too. So my yoga practice has really been more like a mental and physical refuge. Um, you know, still definitely doing sun salutations because they'll always be sort of the or I don't know if they'll always be, but they've always been so far the heartbeat of my practice. But a, a shorter practice, a practice that's a little bit more focused on um, the sensations of each pose rather than trying to nail a specific pose. And um, it's been working for me lately. I, I know I'm sure there'll be a time when I get back into practicing more often, but right now, um, it's been really satisfying actually. <laughs> um, so yeah, so that's sort of why I started this podcast. Cause I'm kind of interested in what other people are doing and the way the world affects what we do. Um, I just saw that movie, uh, My Octopus Friend. You should see it if you haven't. It's a real, it's a real treat. Um, it's on HBO. It's a documentary about a guy who has a really uh, close relationship with an octopus. Um, and in it, he talks about like the octopus and how the octopus's brain is actually not right in the center. The way that people are like our brain is right in our head, but its brain is actually throughout its body, like through all of its tentacles. And I really feel like that is how it, it made me think of my yoga practice immediately because even though I have these tentacles of like being a mother and, um, trying to run fast and, you know, using Pilates postpartum to heal and, um, being a good wife, being a loving friend, all, all of these things. I feel like my yoga practice is slowly like as though the, if my brain was a yoga practice, it, it's going through all of my limbs. So rather than it just being this sort of Surya Namaskar, A, you know, sun salutations, sun salutations, A, B, C, whatever. And then, uh, you know, closing up my mat and it being a whole different thing. Suddenly it just feels like it's like spreading. Almost like instead of it just, you know, staying on my mat, it's like moving through all my eight legs <laughs> or whatever. Um, and it's actually been a metaphor that's been fun thinking about while I practice. Like, can I think about this pose not just with my head, but with my feet? Can I think about extended side angle, not just with my head, but with my side ribs? and my, um, you know, pinky side of my back foot and my inner thighs, you know, how much can you spread awareness from just this one central location through it all? Uh, it's been sort of a, a fun challenge. Um, yeah. And specifically, I've just been really, really loving twists lately. Um, I think because I spend a lot of time carrying around my 25 pound baby <laughs> Hudson. And also, um, with running, my outer hips get really tight. Um, so twists have been really helpful in opening up my outer hips and my shoulders and, and not even like heavy twists. I'm talking like, um, low lunge twists, 
I mean, like, maybe I do an Ukutasana twist, but only if I'm feeling wild. <laughs> um, a chair pose twist. Um, you know, I, I love actually, which I, this is new for me. I've been really loving, um, uh, reverse triangle. And I think it's because, um, I always tried to push it before, like get my hand outside my front foot, you know, get my stance really long and narrow and like make it, you know, not let my hips move. But through so many great teachers, I've learned like allowing the hips to move with the twist can be really helpful because, you know, it's allowing your whole body to work with the pose. So uh, letting, allowing, you know, because your hips are connected to your um, spine. I, I know unworldly, but to allow them to work together to twist your torso is actually really helpful for me and allows for a lot more opening. So I've been taking my feet wider apart, which is a Jason Crandall. Well, I learned it from Jason Crandall and allowing my hips to really shift, which I learned from Annie Carpenter. And then um, just letting my hand be on a block on the inside of my foot. Like who, we, you know, what am I trying to prove to myself? And usually my dog, Toby, who's in the room. Um, you know, let's make it comfortable for me. So I've been doing that a lot, um, and loving it. And of course, I really like all of the, um, maybe more gentle versions of Marichi and seated smile twists, all those sorts of poses. So that's where my practice is right now. Oh, and I should say, I really have been liking using videos. I've, I've gone back and forth. When I was a teacher, I didn't use videos as much because, you know, I, I wanted to sort of have content that was my own thoughts rather than other teachers' thoughts. But I think because I spend a lot of my time um, being a mom to my boy and I make all of the decisions for us, I mean, you know, he definitely has a say, but I make a lot of our, you know, day-to-day decisions. It's just nice when I have a break to have somebody tell me what to do. <laughs> um, so I've been doing... And, and, and especially if I have a short amount of time, it's kind of nice to just have someone say like, here's a 20 minute practice. So I'm a member of Yoga Glow, which I really like, not sponsored. <laughs> um, and I use videos by Jason Crandall and Annie Carpenter, particularly sometimes Catherine Budig. She's really fun. And then the other person I just love is Sarah Strother. She's a local Chicago um, yoga instructor and she has webs- uh, has classes you can rent on her website, uh, and she has only a few of these like 45 minute classes, which are so dope because they're like the perfect amount of time. But I think maybe I'm the only one renting them because she stopped doing them, which is heartbreaking. So Sarah Strother, if you're listening, can we get more of those 45 minute classes? Because they are great for me. Um, okay. So Honestly, enough about me, huh? I'll tell you the plan for the rest of the podcast. So um, first, I'm going to be interviewing my friend Whitney to ask her about her yoga practice. Um, what can I tell you about Whitney? She has this way in your classes, in her classes of making you work very hard, but also have a lot of fun in poses that you thought were easy um, because she will just very directly... In- but also sweetly tell you exactly which muscles to work. And all of a sudden you are, you know, in a low lunge twist, sweating your face off, but it feels amazing. And, um, yeah, she just has this way of really encouraging you to look at the way that you do things without it being 
uh, judgy or um, in, in a way that's really empowering to um, to yourself. Um, yeah, I had the pleasure of taking a lot of her classes when I lived in the Bay Area. We sort of taught at the same studio, so I've gotten to spend a lot of time with her. Um, and she just, you know, she also has this passion for the practice that's infectious. So if you're like, oh, I just can't make myself practice, I highly recommend listening to this interview because she is, she just has this way, uh, this reverence and deep love of the practice that um, just reminds me personally how much I love it and how much there really is to get out of it. So I hope you enjoyed that. And then after that, um, I'll come back. And actually, when I uh, wrote about doing this on the social medias, this podcast, I got a couple questions. So um, I'm going to intersperse a couple answers to a few questions throughout, you know, the first few episodes. So then when we come back from that, I'll have a question from Logan. Okay. Uh, well, I hope you enjoy the interview. Here is Whitney Walsh. So, hello, Whitney Walsh. <laughs> Hi, Rebecca. Yeah. It's good to be here. Good. I'm glad to have you. Um, so let's jump right in. What is your home practice like these days? Basically, my home practice these days isn't a lot different than it was before, um, I'll just say 2020 happened at us. Um, I like to get on my mat and I start out usually with some sun salutation A's, nothing, um, not even the full vinyasa. I take it really easy warm up, but I like to get warmed up with some, uh, more movement. Then I really just consider it play. Um, I, uh, think of it as an exploration. And so I might come into um, a triangle pose, which I've done, you know, many, many times, but I'll really just have a, a lot of fun with what this triangle pose on this day feels like in my body um, with what I've got. And um, just exploring the subtleties I might, this is really hypothetical, but I might, you know, play around with pushing the weight around in my front foot and noticing what muscles wake up or become active or uh, just little things like that. Um, and I, I like to kind of gather evidence and then I might, you know, do some uh, fundamental poses kind of on their own. And then I'll maybe do a little bit more flow, put those poses together and implement some of those little discoveries that I made in maybe a more breath movement connected practice. Um, I love inversions. Um, and after uh, I had my baby, who's now 14 months, I remember, I think it was about nine months after no, no, maybe about six months after he was born. And I tried to do my first forearm stand and I couldn't believe how much of the muscle, not just strength, but muscle memory that I had lost. And so a lot of my home practice post baby has been working back into the strength that I had before. And that's been a humbling and also a very patient 
practice. Um, so uh, the same with back bends. I um, lost a lot of my backbend ability. And so even just reworking into a wheel pose has been some months long journey. So sometimes in a home practice, I will, I'll think to myself, like, I'm going to work on my wheel today. And so I'll stretch the parts of my body that need to be opened. And I say my body because everybody's body has different tight spots and open spots. But, you know, I've come to understand the parts in my body that need a little bit more focus and opening. And so I'll just, it won't even, there won't be any flow. It'll just be stretching and strengthening those places for me that I need to kind of tone up or get a little more limber. And then I will, sometimes I'll videotape myself going up into the pose, like let's say my wheel pose. And I'll do a similar practice three times that week. And I'll video the wheel pose each time and just have fun looking at where I've made progress or where I can focus a little bit more. So um, I guess to answer your question, my home practice uh, can look a little bit different based on my mood, but um, it centers a lot around um, being in my body with what my body is that day. Yeah. That's very inspiring. It's so funny what you say about Pinchamayarasana because Hudson is uh, just turned 18 months and I can just do a forearm stand like literally yesterday can do it again. And when I came out of it, I was clapping for myself. I was like, like just me and the dog, but I was so excited. Like that was a long time to get back. Yeah, it did. Um, I, I am able to do it again. Um, so I got there sooner than 18 months, but only because I like made a deliberate effort (laughs) towards it. Like it took a lot of, I'm going, you know, a lot of wall work, doing it at the wall, um, even just holding dolphin pose for um, like, like maybe um, in a home practice, I might, uh, when I'm doing my sun salutation, A, if I'm working on really, I want to get that forearm stand strength going. When I'm in my down dog, I'll drop down onto my forearms, take a few extra breaths and dolphin, come back into the downward dog and then finish, you know, the the sun salutation. So I think in home practice, um, I guess I I have an idea of a little bit of movement in in a direction I'm going. I think that that's helpful sometimes. Um, And then I'll tell you the other day, I um, went on a walk with my son and it was a much much longer walk than we normally take and um i the next day my hips were so sore and so i just got down on my mat and i stretched my hips that day because i mean i was just like what so um yeah i think that listening kind of listening to whether it's my body that is you know suggesting or craving something or even if it's my mind that's Kind of like, oh, remember when we used to do that? I want to do that again and work on that again. Um, yeah. So, uh, and then on days where I'm like, oh my gosh, I don't feel like practicing. I don't feel like moving. Those are the days I think that um, setting, just just saying, I'm just going to do, you know, a few sun salutations. And 
So normally when I just do a few sun salutations, normally I then am like, oh, wait, I remember. I love this. And I, I keep going and I do a little bit more or, you know, but it's, it's okay if I don't also. And then, um, yeah. Yeah. If I can, if I can force myself to do Surya Namaskar A, like two or three, usually then I'm like, okay, here we go. <laughs> right, right. And that's why I started out with like, you know, I'll get on my mat and I'll do some sun salutations because like there, there can be those days where I'm like, man, I'm really excited to work on my wheel. And so I'll have a real definite idea of what I need to be doing. But if on the days where there's not that obvious, this is what I want to work on. This is what I want to work towards. Starting out with sun salutations, the, the practice reveals itself. And, and I sort of am able to follow, follow a path. Um, I don't know. It just, it, it, it reveals it. That's how it feels. It feels like the, the practice just, be, it reveals itself. Like this is the direction that we're going to go. Yeah, it's something I've always respected about you is you have like this um, attitude of curiosity toward yoga, which even though you can do very difficult poses, it never feels in your classes rigid. It always feels more curious, which I think is important in a home practice. It is probably why you're able to keep your home practice going. Because I know it's hard when you're home all the time, like we all are these days, to keep it. Yeah, I think in the past, I was... I was more goal oriented. Um, and I, because I had a, I had a couple of teachers expose me to the idea of being curious. Um, I think I have a curious personality by, by, you know, my nature, but I didn't necessarily put that wasn't applied to the yoga practice. And I actually do think that I, um, injured myself from a lack of curiosity and a goal-oriented, um, pose-oriented idea of how to move. Um, once I think I was exposed to this idea of being curious, the that's that that actually is the overarching goal: just being curious, mm-hmm. and then allowing your curiosity to take you into some unknown places. Um, and, and yeah, I'm grateful to the teachers who, who are able to expose me to that idea of, um, I don't know. Yeah. yeah. Of inquiry. That's the word. The, the idea of inquiry is, um, one thing that's great about a home practice. If someone also takes group class, you know, group classes, um, or is, in the home practice, you're able to stop and explore and learn and really understand your body so that when you're in a group setting, you have the knowledge you need to overlay. Like what you exactly what you were saying, like, you know, when you were pregnant, you were obviously practicing. That's a very obvious example. You're practicing with the overlay of I am pregnant. But like we all have that overlay of like who we are, what our bodies are. We all have that overlay. And it's not realistic to expect a yoga teacher to know everyone's overlay, what everybody needs, what every cue a student needs. Like that's that's unrealistic. And it's great that as practitioners with a home practice, we 
can understand what our individual needs are so that we can be responsible for ourselves when we go into a class. And then, of course, I tell students, like, and if you're not sure what, you know, your body is up to, ask me, you know, ask the teacher and or, you know, Google it, read about it, you know, find find the answers. But, um, but yeah. So. Yeah, that's the best thing about the yoga practice is that it's the best and worst thing is that there really aren't any easy answers. Yeah, yeah that's that's true. I mean, we've been spending, how long have we been doing yoga? Oh, gosh. Think like 15 years. Yeah, about the same. And like, imagine if there were easy answers, it'd be so boring. Like we would have stopped. Uh, 13 years ago yeah definitely um because and I think back to the point of inquiry and this idea of we don't know the answers is what keeps the practice in me in the practice because I know like there was a point where when I first was practicing and it you know, and I think I'm like, I have a lot, I have so many thoughts going in different directions. I think also as we age, like I think if yoga were just about trying to achieve shapes in the body, it would, it would be a young person's game. Mm-hmm. Like old people wouldn't be able to do it. Um, but that's what's so great. If, if we stay open minded and curious about like, what can my body do today? Um, that allows it to be a lifetime. You know, like my grandmother did chair yoga. She like sat in her chair and it was, it it was so cool. Like, you know, she would be sitting in her chair and she would inhale and reach her arms up and she would exhale and fold at her waist and reach down towards her toes. And then she would put her hands on her shins and lift halfway up. And then she'd bring your chest towards your thighs. And she was doing sun salutation sitting in a chair, right? So um, keeping, yeah, keeping space for, for what, we, what we need. Yeah. Um, well, thank you so much, Whitney. This has been great. Yeah. And I know that after people hear this, they're going to want to take your class. So when are you teaching and where can we find you? So I am teaching for Left Coast Power Yoga, and they're located in Oakland, California, and the website is leftcoastpoweryoga.com. And I am teaching, I will give you the California time, although I'm actually in Texas, but I'll give you the California (laughs) time. So in California, I teach on Sunday at 9.15 to 10.15. And Tuesday and Friday from 12 to 1. So they're just one-hour classes. And we mostly, as you already explained in my class, work on um, building strength and stability. And inevitably, there is stretching. (laughs) Inevitably, in yoga, there is stretching. However, I don't think inevitably in yoga there is necessarily strengthening. I think the strength cues that I offer when I'm teaching, I think are, um, of course, exciting. I think that because, you know, that's how I practice, <laughs> but can be pretty exciting to, to feel and to, um, to feel your body get stronger. 
Absolutely. Isn't Whitney just the best? I hope you took as much out of that interview as I did. And next, um, we will have a question from Logan, uh, who is a yoga instructor in Chicago. Asked, starting a home practice is overwhelming to the point that I don't know exactly what to do. How do you suggest starting? Great question. Commit to something. In order for yoga to especially yoga at home to become a habit, you need to do it. And eventually it will be easy to do because it'll just be something that your body asks for or uh, your mind just assumes you'll do, right? So like if every time you wake up after your coffee, you unroll your mat, eventually you won't have to think so hard or convince yourself to unroll your mat. You'll just unroll it. Or for me, I know every time I put my my son Hudson down for his nap, I know I enroll my mat, right? So even without thinking about it or without too much like sort of going back and forth, you know, the way the mind can, I'll just do it. I just unroll my mat when I put him to bed. So commit to something to start. And and the thing about a home practice is you get to decide what yoga is to you. So does that mean you're on your mat for 10 minutes? Does it mean you're on your mat for 20 minutes? Does it mean you're working toward a certain pose? Does it mean you do two sun salutations and then see what happens? It's up to you to decide what a home practice looks like, but commit to something and commit for a long time, you know, 30 days, maybe in um, Kundalini yoga, every set meditation set is 40 days. And there is I feel like there is some magic to that number 40. So maybe you choose 40 days, but commit and, and do it. And event, and then it gets easier and easier. It's, um, it's sort of a, the magic of being like these animal bodies that we have, right. That like, eventually it just gets to be less of a, a trudge to get to our mat, right. It just sort of happens without even thinking. Um, speaking of trudge, I think sometimes when someone is starting a practice, a yoga practice, they think it needs to look like it does in the studio where, oh, maybe you always sweat because it's difficult or it's always an hour or um, there are poses that you don't like and you're working on something hard or there's a million chaturangas. It's okay to like your practice. You can unroll your mat and just do poses you like you're the boss actually of what you do and I promise eventually you'll branch out to other poses but if in the beginning when you're setting your home practice up all you do is unroll your mat and do the four poses you love that is completely fine and that totally counts uh there's a word in Sanskrit aloma and it means the friendly push and it's this um that feeling of like being pushed through your practice, uh, almost like the wind is, you know, you know, when the wind is like perfectly behind you and it's kind of pushing you along when you're walking, that's a loma. And literally a loma means to go with the hair. So instead of sort of brushing your hair in the wrong direction, you brush it in, you know, the right way, that part that feels right. And it's another way of saying go with the flow. So um, a way to be pushed and inspired in your practice is to go with the flow of what's feel, what you're feeling in your body. So if you wake up and you're feeling really energetic, like don't do poses where you're laying down. Like that's not going to be friend, a friendly push. If you're exhausted and standing up seems hard, start laying on your back. Completely fine. You decide what your home practice looks like, but do commit. 
So commit to whatever you decide your home practice is for 30 to 40 days. Um, and I know for some, it helps to be accountable. So that could be accountable to an app on your phone. It could be accountable to a friend. Maybe you every day text a friend of you, takes a photo of you practicing to a friend and, and they text it back. Maybe you're just accountable to yourself. Maybe you have like, um, I know my friend Kirsten, like she has a little journal where she gives herself a star, like a literal sticker star. Um, whenever she does, you know, the certain things that she does to take care of herself and, that helps. So figure out what sort of accountability is helpful for you and definitely um, utilize that. I think having it the same time every day is ideal, uh, you know, because then it starts to be a habit, just a, a habit in your body that your mind doesn't have to think about. Like, okay, after I finish coffee, my coffee in the morning, I always unroll my mat. Or for me, after I put Hudson down for his nap, I always unroll my mat. So I'll find myself, you know, with my mat unrolled without even thinking. And that's the best, right? Because it, when there are the, one of the biggest obstacles to you practicing is obviously your mind. <laughs> um, so if you can override that by having such a habit that it's ingrained, right? Like brushing your teeth before bed, then it's, it's easier to practice. Another obstacle is convenience. So I think a lot of the time, you know, I, okay. So for example, I have a yoga mat downstairs and upstairs in my house because sometimes I'll have 20 minutes to practice, but like, oh, I should go get my yoga mat and it's all the way upstairs. I have a yoga mat downstairs. I have a yoga mat upstairs. And that keeps me from letting that one little obstacle stop me. This is crazy. But another obstacle for me is having to change my pants. I know it only takes a second, but changing my pants just feel it feels insurmountable some days. So if I know I'm going to practice later in the day, and this might not be possible for you and your work, but if it's possible to wear clothes to practice later, wear those until you practice. So like I you know, I don't practice. Sometimes I won't practice till like 1 p.m. I'm wearing leggings in the morning so that when that 1 p.m. rolls around, I am ready and dressed to go. If you don't have a job like that, maybe you can make your practice possible with the pants you wear. I don't know. I've also practiced in jeans before, right? Just get it done. Just do it. Because if you let any of these little obstacles get in the way, that's what stops you from your practice. Um, and you know, it's nice to set a tone. Like I, I definitely, my friend Valerie, like she lights candles and has pretty lights and really makes her space beautiful. And if that is something that inspires you, highly recommend. Me personally, I roll up my mat. I don't really do much else. If the bed's not made, I, I practice in my room. If the bed's not made, I'll make the bed just because it feels tidier. But like, I don't set a scene the way that um, like a, a studio might or someone who is more, if someone who's more inspired by that does. If that helps you, set a scene, but don't worry if it if it's not. Like, don't worry if it doesn't look like what a studio class looks like. It, it's going to be different because it is, because you're home. So, you know, as the holidays are coming up. Like, when I'm on a trip with my family or I'm visiting family, I mean, I don't know if we're, anyone's going anywhere these days, but, like, on days where it seems like it's hard to sneak away by myself, like I'll unroll my mat while everybody's watching TV and that counts. Like that's fine. Like sure, <laughs> it's not like the image in a magazine that you see of yoga, but like do it the way you make it work for you. Um, the way to have a lasting 
relationship with yoga is to learn how to weave it into your life. If it's always this separate thing, this thing you go to, this other place, it's never going to be really a part of you. Right. So yoga, ha- you have to let yoga adapt to your current situation and you have to let yourself, you have to welcome the practice into all different parts of your day. Uh, let's see, is that everything I wanted to say about you, about starting a yoga practice? Yeah, mainly just like have fun. Like, I know for some people working toward a pose is really helpful. Um, I definitely have had phases of that where like I want to nail, you know, pinch in my rasa forearm stand or I want to nail whatever. And that will inspire me to practice. That's not where I am anymore. Like in my 30s postpartum, like I sort of feel like, you know, it's nice to be able to do poses and I find it exciting when I can do a pose that I haven't been able to do before or I haven't been able to do in a while. But for me, the inspiration to practice comes from how good I feel after. So I guess that's another thing too. After you practice, notice how good you feel. Take a minute and just let yourself notice what it feels like to have practiced yoga because that feeling will go with you. So then next time you're thinking like, oh, I don't know if I have time to practice, you're hopefully you'll remember that feeling from last time you practiced and think like, oh yeah, like I want that. I want that feeling again. So those were the first two answers to the first two questions on the Home Bodies Yoga Podcast. Pretty exciting stuff. I thought we'd end the podcast today talking about the yoga sutras and actually I'll end each podcast with a little chat about a different yoga sutra and yoga sutras are basically like little can think of them almost like from the bible like a psalm or just these little gems of wisdom um one of my favorite sutra scholars Kate Holcomb says the underlying foundation of the yoga sutra is that you are that you are at your core at your essence in this perfect is are this perfect beautiful shining self And that due to experiences or trauma or events in life or whatever, that shining authentic self gets dusty or maybe crusted over or covered up or harder to access. Deskachar used to say that yoga was just a cleaning process. So that's really all we're doing in this yoga practice is we're not trying to, you know, become someone different. The yoga practice is really about cleaning up so that we can really shine as we are. Gosh, the yoga sutras are just so powerful to me. Anyway, the first sutra really relates to what we've been talking about today because it's about getting started. It's yoga atha, atha yoga asana. And it literally means now begins the teachings of yoga. And it's in the present tense so that whenever you read it, whenever you hear it, now, now begins this process, this cleaning up process to become our authentic selves. Now, right? so, you know, Logan asking like, how do I fit? How do I start a home practice at home? Well, you start it now. Now is the, now, now is the time for yoga. And whenever you read that sentence, now is the time. <laughs> so I think it's so cheeky. That was written, um, I don't know why podcasting and talking to myself in a closet made me all of a sudden be British, but anyway, <laughs> anyway, uh, it's sort of this, this kind of brilliant way of saying, start now, right? And that now is the time. And 
Asanam is really a discipline, right? that that yoga isn't always easy, that getting to your mat and unrolling it is, it's a bit of a, a commitment, right? that it's this discipline and this commitment. And, and it's not a discipline and commitment like to, because we're so bad and we need to change. It's this discipline and commitment to become our beautiful true selves who, who are already perfect already done so it's just kind of shaking off that that extra skin you know it's fall here in Chicago it's like the trees are just letting all of the dead leaves fall away and to stand bare and 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 show their beauty in a whole different way yeah Ugh. anyway yoga atta yoga asana now now begins the process of yoga <laughs> now Okay, well, I think I'll leave you with that. And uh, happy practicing. Wow, the sign-off is difficult. How do you say goodbye? Well, see you around. Toodaloo. Happy practicing. Talk to you soon. Whatever.